Hey there, future fans. This week, we have dummies, criminals, and American heroes. This is the week of October 12th, 2018, and this is episode 108 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. Well, welcome to the show. Last week was a interesting week, wasn't it? I think it might have been the first week where we had a comic book movie come out that wasn't my pick. I don't know. There have been comic book movies in the past I wasn't stoked for, so maybe it's happened before and I just have a terrible memory, because I do. I do have a terrible memory. Either way, it was kind of momentous, wasn't it? I proved that I am not entirely predictable. Well, last week was an interesting week for movies, as in it was very short. Uh, This week isn't... Okay, this week's okay. It's an okay week for movies. There are quite a few things. Uh, We have a bigger limited section, just because there are some movies that that didn't really do enough for me. But we have a lot of news. A lot of news. And we have quite a few trailers. So this may be a bigger episode. So let's just jump right into it with the opening housekeeping. This is Future Flicks with Billiam, so welcome. I am Billiam, and on this show, I go over flicks from the future. No, I am not a time traveler. Though, did you hear about that time traveler recently, or the guy who claims he's one that apparently uh, passed a lie detector test? No, this isn't a setup for a joke or a bad, uh, bad movie plot. There's some guy in the UK who claims that he was sent forward in time by the British government, and he spent six hours in the year... 8973 and didn't want to come back because apparently it was a utopia that was uh, that was run by telepathic cyborgs he said there's no crime nothing wrong every problem had a solution he said it was great and then so he took a lie detector test and it supposedly passed but if you look up the news the only websites that are reporting on it are like the inquisitor mirror uh, the uk mirror the daily dot the social news daily the nigerian bulletin not not the most reputable sources are they but uh anyway that's neither here nor there so i go over flicks coming to us in the future this episode usually drops on wednesdays sometimes thursdays if i'm being uh if i'm being lazy or if stuff just gets in the way which it does and sorry if you noticed a change in um volume just now i noticed one of my little knobs here on the soundboard was a little off so that that should fix it hopefully so i go over every movie that's going to come out during the week i tell you what it's about who's in it and for some of them i give my thoughts on them because i break all the movies down into two segments the first is the limited release segment those are movies that aren't getting wide releases and didn't really do enough to capture my attention so in that case i just tell you what it's about and who's in it sometimes i'll say a word or two for the rest of the movies i call that the wide releases and interesting indie section those are movies that guess what are getting wide releases or those indie films that just caught my eye and for that not only do i tell you what's about and who's in it i will then give my thoughts on it and then give it a score which i call the billiams interest level score 
aka the bill score that so handsomely named score goes anywhere from a zero for those terrible movies that no one should ever watch to an 11 for those movies that you just have to watch and if you don't what is wrong with you the show always opens with some housekeeping a rant or two me going off topic for a little bit which which happens quite a bit and then the news and trailers when it comes to news and trailers those are anything that has caught my eye since the last episode and i don't always pick up everything so if i ever miss something you think i should talk about tell me go hey what's up you missed this story and then i will mention it on the next episode and how do you find this show You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me via Instagram and Twitter, at BilliamSWN. You can hit me up via email, BilliamReviews at gmail.com. You can hit me up on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. You can leave a comment on the Facebook page. And also, don't forget to rate the podcast. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. But no matter what you say, I would appreciate all the stars. Well, with that out of the way, my future fans, let us jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. You all know we love movies based on video games. What's not to love, right? He says, ironically, it's so ironic, it's like rain on your wedding day. Well, if you really do love video game movies for some odd reason, you are in luck. And we should all thank our lucky stars that Greg Silverman was born. It's because this media mogul, this king of kings was born that he launched Stampede Studios. Why should we be so thankful, you're asking? Billiam, what is this? Who is this madman? Who is this guy who we should be thankful for? Who shall I name my firstborn after? Well, he launched, like I said, Stampede Studios, and because they are working on a Dance Dance Revolution movie. Of course, what else could it have been? What else could have garnered this reaction from me? What else could have been the first story this week? What else? else could make me pitch such a huge tent well there's nothing else my friends this is it this is the movie news i should just shut the show down no more show until this movie comes out because no other movie would be worth it the next avengers it i don't care it's garbage we have dance dance revolution coming that's right no No, 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 this isn't a joke. This isn't some elaborate joke on my part. This is a real movie. No, I'm not having a stroke as we speak and misreading news stories. This is real and was reported by Variety on October 2nd. The premise of the film will be that the world is on the brink of destruction and the only thing that will save us is the universal language of dance. I shit you not. This movie is still in very early pre-production, so there's really no word yet on when it's going to happen, who will star in it, who's going to direct it, release date, or anything. All I know is that my friends, my future fans, my future family, the movie of the next generation is on its way. And in a little more serious news, writer Audrey Wells passed away, and while you may not know her name, you may know her work. She made a career out of writing screenplays based on books and previously released movies. She penned the scripts for movies like Under the Tuscan Sun, Shall We Dance, and The Hate You Give. She was 58 and lost a long battle with cancer. 
Also, we had another actor pass away. Scott Wilson, who played Herschel on The Walking Dead, died. The actor was 76. That was reported by The Walking Dead official Twitter account. And ladies and gentlemen, we have news from the ever-growing list of live-action Disney remakes. You can add Lady and the Tramp to that list. This will be a mix of live-action and CGI. I'm assuming the animals are going to be CGI, so it won't be either a modern version of Look Who's Talking or some monstrosity like Show Dogs. This is being directed by Charlie Bean, who directed the Lego Ninjago movie. Uh, Justin Thoreau and Tessa Thompson are going to be voicing Tramp and the Lady, respectively, while Janelle Monet and Benedict Wong will also be adding their voices to the list. Thomas Mann and Kiersey Clemens will be playing Lady's owner, Jim Deere and Darling, and I forgot they had such stupid names. The film has no set release date, and the story came to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Variety reports that we may be getting a Barbie movie soon, and it may star Margot Robbie. The film was originally at Sony, but is now likely headed to Warner Brothers after Sony ended up passing on it. The first version of the movie was set to star Amy Schumer, who dropped out after scheduling conflicts, and it was rumored that Anne Hathaway was set to replace her, which makes me wonder, if you can get Anne Hathaway, why even glance at Schumer? You can get someone funny, so why not get that funny person? The original script was an adult comedy, so we'll see what eventually happens if Warner Brothers ends up picking up the film. Have you been wondering if the next James Bond will be female? Well, now we have an answer to that question thanks to Bond producer and hated childhood vegetable Barbara Broccoli. In an interview with The Guardian, she said, Never. He's a male character. He was written as a male, and I think he'll probably stay a male. She then goes on to say, And that's fine. We don't have to turn male characters into women. Let's just create more female characters and make the story fit those female characters. And I have to agree, I really like that stance. Because there's been a lot of talk about making Bond black. And some people are like, no, Bond, Bond has to be white. But being white has never been part of Bond's personality. But being a man has. The old James Bond has always been a misogynist. And the newer James Bond, played by Daniel Craig, though Daniel Craig has tried to change a lot of that, make him not so much of a pig, there's still a lot of him that is male, that is masculine. So while I truly believe that the color of James Bond doesn't matter, this part does. And I do agree, we should have more female characters. We, we came up with Peppermint this year, I say we, like I had part in it, but Peppermint was released this year, and that is a bad-ass character. Do more of that, please. Give me more of that, and I will watch it, and I will love it. Don't try and remake old characters in some modern narrative. It just won't work. According to comicbookmovie.com, Marvel has commissioned a script for a Dark Avengers movie. This is a group led by Norman Osborn's Iron Patriot, and has knockoff heroes like Mac Gargan as Spider-Man, and Akihiro as Wolverine. If you don't know who Gargan is, Gargan is the Scorpion. So in this version of the Avengers, it physically looks like the people we know, but it's different people behind the, behind the masks. That is, of course, assuming they stick with the original story and just don't completely redo it and make this some sort of Justice League dark ripoff. So more on this story as it develops. And do you wish you could watch the uncut X-rated version of Robocop? Well, you can! Huzzah! Amazon Prime and Hulu just added a bunch of new movies, and the RoboCop trilogy is just a few of those films. 
The good news, what I've mentioned before just a moment ago, is that yes, Paul Verhoeven's X-rated cut is one of those films. And no, it's not X-rated because of any sexual sleazy reason. It's X-rated because of intense gore and violence. Awesome. This story was brought to my attention by Decider. Are any of you Robert Jordan fans? He wrote the Wheel of Time series, which was later taken over and finished by Brandon Sanderson. Well, good news. Amazon, along with Sony, has picked up the rights to the book and is starting work on a TV show for the streaming service, so yay! We're going to get more fantasy, and I love it. This story came to us from io9. And folks, remember about a month ago when I brought up the story that Chinese actress Fan Bingbing had gone missing and it was thought that she was being detained by Chinese authorities over tax evasion? Well, she's back and it turns out she was being held in a secret detention facility and she was released and ordered along with her company to pay about a $130 million fine in fines and back taxes. She released a statement on social media saying, and I quote exactly from it, I am deeply ashamed and guilty about what I have done. My sincere apologies to you. There can be no fan bingbing without the good policies of the party and the country and the love of the people. The party she's speaking of, of course, is China's ruling communist party, so I bet you that letter from her was truly heartfelt and not forced under duress at all. So she's still alive. Yay, they didn't kill her. But isn't that really scary? I mean, I know that a lot of people don't like where America's going. A lot of people think we've we've gone just down the shit hole. And other people are like, oh, Trump's making America great. But whatever side you're on, it doesn't matter. At least we're not there. At least we're not in a country where the biggest celebrity in that country can just go missing and no one says a thing. And then it makes headlines, but everyone's hush-hush about it. At least we don't live in that kind of country. So if you are a fan of where America is currently heading, then that's more good news. Yay, we live in America. Yay, America. And if you're not, it could be worse. Ladies and gentlemen, did you hear that Mark Ruffalo was fired from the fourth Avengers movie? Well, breathe a sigh of relief, taking a deep breath. He is not actually fired. It was a prank pulled by the Russo brothers and Marvel after, in an interview on Jimmy Fallon's show, Mark Ruffalo let slip the title of the movie. So he then tweeted Jimmy, asking him to please don't do it, to not get him in trouble again. The Russo brothers tweeted Mark Ruffalo saying, you're fired. And then Jimmy Fallon made a big deal about the spoiler on his show and then when it was about to happen it was bleeped out so somewhere out there is a group of people who just happen to be the studio audience that night and all the people there who do know the name of the movie now so it should be a matter of time until we all know that story came from comicbook.com well ladies and gentlemen that is it for the news and I am recording this episode on Saturday the 6th so if something happens between now and when I released the show. I didn't miss it. I just already did it because I'm ahead of things again. Yay. Well, with that, let us step into everyone's favorite place, the trailer trove. Avast and welcome to the trailer trove. Have you ever wanted to see what it would be like if a movie mixed up the plots of Me Before You and Trading Places? Well, wait no longer. Okay, that's not entirely true. You will have to wait until January 11th, 2019. The movie in question is called The Upside and it stars Kevin Hart, Nicole Kidman, and Brian Cranston. And it's an American remake of a French film from 2012 called The Untouchables or The Intouchables. 
just imagine what I said with a French accent. That's the name of the movie. It's about a black man who needs to prove he's looking for work for his parole officer and he storms into a meeting with a rich paraplegic who's looking for help, demands that he gets the things, the paper signed so he can move on, and instead he gets the job. As Dell, who's played by Hart in this movie, gets some emergency on-the-job training, Philip, played by Cranston, begins to laugh again. Aww. The trailer I saw claims that this is based on a true story, but... Another one, the French version, said nothing about that. So I don't know if it's true or not, but either way, this looks like a good movie. If you want to watch the original film, it's on Netflix right now. Otherwise, wait until January to see the American version. And hey, didn't Clint Eastwood retire from acting? Well, no. No, he didn't. He's back, starring in and directing another film, and this one looks just as amazing as everything else he's done. This is his first acting gig since Trouble with the Curve in 2012. This is about a 90-year-old World War II veteran who becomes a drug mule. He transports cocaine through Michigan for a Mexican drug cartel. The trailer is mainly a voiceover by Eastwood telling us how he's screwed up his life and ruined all the relationships that have mattered to him. This looks deeper than the Marianas Trench and it co-stars Bradley Cooper, Michael Peña, Tysa Farminga, and Lawrence Fishburne. And none of their names appeared anywhere in the trailer, just Eastwood's. And do you know why? Because who gives a shit who else is in it? It's Clint f***ing Eastwood. Everyone else in the movie is a group of nobodies? Great, who cares? Clint Eastwood. And he's back and he's doing great work. The other names are just confetti on top of an, an already amazing cake. The final trailer for Mortal Engines is here, and it still looks pretty good. Uh, this is the movie from director Christian Rivers and producer Peter Jackson, based off a dystopian YA novel of the same name, starring Hugo Weaving, Hera Hilmar, Robert Sheehan, and Stephen Lang. We see more of the plot in this one, and the trailer has two minor spoilers, so if you care about that, Stay away from this trailer. The spoilers aren't major at all, so it's not the end of the world even if you do see it. I did have one problem with the trailer, but it's going to be a rant, so let's finish this up first and then I'll get into it. The movie still looks good. The first trailer looked good, so does this one. I'm not holding my breath that it's going to stick particularly well to the book because that, that just can't happen in movies unless it's a really big movie. Or every book gets two movies to it. But let's hope they do the best they can. We'll have to wait until December 14th to see this. And Rantime, okay, my problem is the same problem I've talked about before. A problem that I had with Ready Player One. A problem that came up in Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. And The Girl on the Train. I didn't see those last two. But I just know that it's in it. And Love, Simon. In Ready Player One, Artemis is supposed to be disfigured, so much so that it gives her major confidence issues, but they hire Olivia Cook to play her and give her some large birthmark. Ooh, no. Like, okay, I get it. If you had a large birthmark, you probably got picked on as a kid. It didn't make life hard. But the way they described her in the book and the way Olivia Cook ended up looking, not the same. In Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, she's supposed to look plain and just not pretty. Olivia Cook again. In Girl on the Train... Rachel is supposed to be slightly overweight with terrible skin because she's an alcoholic, but hey, let's hire Emily Blunt. Why the f*** not? And then in Love, Simon, they get Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why, and the main character in that is supposed to be big. She's supposed to be a big girl. So I have a problem with this. I have a problem with these books that are giving us characters that aren't these beautiful leading ladies that give us characters with flaws that give us characters who are different and then when they become movies they're just like okay whatever yeah that pretty girl over there let's just get her that'll be fine let's just put some shit on her face 
Oh, and in Mortal Engines, in Mortal Engines, she's supposed to be so ugly that the main character can't help but stare and actually gets a little sick to his stomach at one point. That's how ugly she is. But instead, they get uh, Hera Hilmar and just give her a little... Okay, it's, it's, it's actually a slightly big scar, but still. Oh, no. And what bothers me even more is that in some of these cases, the authors have the final say or can do have power in the casting decision. They go, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. So they try to do something good in the books. And then when the movie comes out, they're like, okay, f it, whatever. Okay, rant over. There's a trailer for Vice. This is the supposedly true story of the vice presidency of Dick Cheney. Christian Bale gained a lot of weight for this role, and he plays a former vice president. Sam Rockwell plays W. Amy Adams plays Lynn Cheney. And Steve Carell plays Donald Rumsfeld. It also has Jesse Plemons, Tyler Perry, and Allison Pill. The movie looks good. I just had to say supposedly true story because I know Hollywood usually swings to the left and it's notorious for re releasing left-leaning movies whether or not it's right. This also means that there's a bias, so I won't say that this is a true story until I know where writer-director Adam McKay did his research. You know, I don't doubt that Vice President or former Vice President Dick Cheney did some scummy shit. I, I do not doubt that at all. I just think doing scummy shit is part of being a politician, unfortunately. The Obamas were loved by a lot of people, but I bet you somewhere in his presidency is a bunch of scummy sh** too. It's politics. It's about politicians. These people aren't normal. They're not right in the head. Anyway, I don't want to get on another rant, so let's just wrap this up and say that the movie comes out December 21st. We have a second trailer for Aquaman, and I'm ready to go camping because once again, my tent is pitched. This looks f***ing phenomenal. It looks like the film will take what Wonder Woman did and just kick it up a notch. The only problem I have with this trailer, well two things, I was prepared for. First off was the less than stellar CG. Of course Disney really owns that market so DC is doing the best they can. And the second thing is Amber Heard's comedically red hair. Mira has plain ass red hair, not something that looks like a diva era wrestler's bad dye job. This isn't dollar lap dance day at the strip club. Let's get some better looking makeup. Let's get anything better than what, than what that is. But those two things aside, this still looks good. Though it's going to leave me with questions. Is this film a sequel or a prequel to Justice League? I thought Aquaman had the trident already, but he has to get the trident in the movie. So th th does that mean that this is a prequel and then he gets a trident, does his thing, becomes a king of Atlantis, or maybe doesn't become the king of Atlantis, but saves them, goes, okay, I'm going to do my thing, leaves the trident there, goes back to land, then Batman comes for him. So he's like, okay, maybe I need this, goes and gets the trident again. Or if this takes place after, which could make sense given the weird look Mira gave him when he came to get the trident in the first one, why doesn't he still have the trident then? Or does he have it? Or does he have a trident and he just needs the trident, like the king trident? I I, I don't know. There's, there's going to be a lot of questions that this movie has to answer. And these questions will be answered, hopefully, on December 21st. That's right, the same week that Vice comes out. And ladies and gentlemen, did you see the trailer for Good Omens? This is the Amazon Prime TV show based on the book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Well, you should watch it because it looks f***ing amazing. This stars David Tennant as Crowley and Michael Sheen as Aziraphale. I think that's how you say it. And they play a demon, Crowley the demon, and Aziraphale the angel, 
who have been on Earth for a while now and think they like it. So when the apocalypse is set to happen, they want to do everything they can to stop it. This show is coming to Amazon Prime in 2019. When in 2019? I don't know, but when I find out, you will know. In the meantime, check out the trailer. It looks amazing. And finally in the trove is a teaser trailer that made me very excited. Yes, more excited than I was for Aquaman. This is a teaser trailer for Rocketman, the Elton John biopic starring Taron Egerton. And I'm very, very excited. This looks amazing. Egerton looks apart and mostly sounds like Elton John. Just like with Remy Malek and Freddie Mercury, they sound great, but you can tell. But they sound close enough that you can really suspend your disbelief and go oh this this is them singing but if you really pay attention you you hear that it's not elton john it's not freddie mercury check out the trailer it looks really good and just bust out your elton john cds if you still have cds do you have albums or do, do you have vinyl listen to those mp3s whatever listen to some elton john this film comes out on may 17th and i need this in my life well ladies and gentlemen that is it for the trailer trove let us take a first break the first break, the first break we always have, and hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned. Well, actually, before we do that, uh, some new news just popped up. I, I actually recorded this episode over two days, and since last night, there's just been a little more, a little more work done on this Mark Ruffalo spoiling the title of the Avengers movie. So as you know, the people of the internet couldn't leave well enough alone, and we have two potential names for the new Avengers movie. So if this is a spoiler you would rather avoid, I'd jump ahead just like a minute, two minutes, a couple minutes. You know, just jump ahead a little bit until you start to hear the somewhat nerdy ad, and then you'll know you're safe. But I truly don't view these, any of these possible titles as spoilers, uh, not at all. Just because they could be interpreted in many different ways. And also, if you're worried that you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War and you're afraid it might spoil that for you, you probably don't care too much since you haven't seen it yet. So anyway, on with this story from Polygon. It's been all but confirmed that the whole thing with Fallon was a joke. But now people are wondering if he really did say the title as part of the joke. And I have to say, this joke worked. It got people talking about it. Well, some guy named Anton Volkov, who runs, who operates Trailer Track, ran Ruffalo's audio through an editing program to reveal that he said The Last Avenger was the title. Of course, that's not a spoiler. It could just be that they're, they're introducing Captain Marvel. So this, this is the last person to be included in The Avengers. So The Last Avenger. Maybe they're referencing the Avenger that's going to die in this movie. And that person's the last Avenger because then the Avengers will be disbanded or something. I don't know. There's a lot of ways you can look at it. But then some lip reading experts, I, I guess there's a thing. Maybe they're just deaf people. I don't know. But people who are fluent in lip reading claim that what he said was Avengers Annihilation. And Jeremy Conrad, who is a popular Marvel Cinematic Universe blogger and trusted source among fans, reportedly spoke to someone, a source he has in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who confirmed that the title is Avengers Annihilation. So my question is, how can these two things be so 
different. And if you're skipping ahead to miss the the spoiler, it's okay. I'm not going to say it again. But those two possible titles that people are saying are completely different. They don't even rhyme. So how can someone who reverse engineered the audio and someone who could read lips come up with something that's so different? So maybe this whole ruse is way deeper than anyone ever has ever thought of. But anyway, now it is time for that first break. So let us pause for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned. Are you troubled by a lack of common interest in your social sphere? Do you experience feelings of nostalgic sentiment in your day-to-day life? Do your family or coworkers not understand your quotes, quips, or references? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and download the nerdiest professionals in the galaxy. Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Our nerdy and informative hosts are available 24 hours a day on your favorite podcast app to fill all your super nerdy needs. Good Good journey, nerds. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Future Flicks with Billiam, and Nerds of the Squared Circle on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app, or stream us at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, and we are back. We're back with the limited release section of the show, and let's just start off with the first film this week called Break My Heart 1000 Times. Living in the aftermath of the event means that seeing the dead is now part of life, but Veronica wishes that the ghosts would just move on. Instead, the ghosts aren't disappearing, they're gaining power, and one of them wants to kill her. This is based off a YA novel by Daniel Waters, and it stars Bella Thorne from Scream the TV series, Dermot Mulroney from Young Guns, Richard Harmon from The 100, and Lewis Hertham from The Last Exorcism. I should think it's Lois. One moment. Nope, it's Lewis. Anyway, it, it turns out that the name of the movie is actually I Still See You, and it's based on the novel Break My Heart 1000 Times. But anyway, let's just talk about the film. It, it doesn't look that interesting, though it is a really interesting idea. So this crazy cataclysmic event, or maybe not cataclysmic level, but this terrorist level event kills a lot of people. And those people stay around. But it's not like you can interact with them. They just keep on doing the stuff that they were doing that day. So if your, let's say your friend died, and then that day they woke up, drank coffee, went to work, did their work stuff, came home, watched a movie on the couch. That's that's what you would see them doing. You can't interact with them. If you try and touch them, your hands will pass through, just like a good old-fashioned ghost. But there's this, there's this guy that Bella Thorne sees showing up at her house that was never at her house. So she's like, what's up? Why is this ghost not acting like a ghost? Turns out it's trying to kill her. So maybe there's more to these ghosts than meets the eye, but you will find out if you watch the movie, which I don't recommend you do because this does sound like an interesting plot. It does sound interesting. It just looks like it's not done well enough. So if it sounds interesting to you, read the book. Next up in the limited section, we have... Gosnell, the trial of America's biggest serial killer. And no, this is not as awesome as it sounds. This is a crowdfunded movie that's based on the case of Dr. Kermit Gosnell, who was accused of murder after killing three babies who were born alive during botched abortions and one woman who didn't survive the procedure. This stars Dean Cain from Lois and Clark, Janine Turner from Cliffhanger, Earl Billings from American Splendor, and Michael Beach from Soul Food. And no, 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 skip this at all costs. This is a super religious, super right-leaning hack job movie attacking abortion and tacking abortion laws. And they go as far in the movie saying, oh, this isn't about abortion rights. This is about murder. No, 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 no. 
don't misunderstand. This is a movie with an agenda bigger than an overambitious college professor. If this movie lines up with your belief, still don't watch it. It looks cheesy and bad. Let's move on to The Kindergarten Teacher. This is about Lisa. She teaches kindergarten, and one day she learns that one of her students may be a gifted artist. She approaches his parents to tell them about their child's gift, but they promptly ignore it, saying they want him to have a job instead of trying to be an artist, in this case poetry. And then she becomes obsessed with the kid, even resorting to kidnapping to try and nurture the artistic side of the child, when the parents would rather ignore it. She takes the kid away, but the kid slowly starts to realize that it's this isn't right, and tries to get away. This stars Maggie Gyllenhaal from The Dark Knight, Gail Garcia Bernal from Mozart in the Jungle, and Rosa Salazar from The Maze Runner, Scorch Trials. This looks okay, but creepy. Okay, but creepy. It's on, it'll be on Netflix at the end of the week, so check this out for free if it interests you. But we have two more releases in the limited section, and the next one is called The Oath. The president announces that every American must take an oath of loyalty to him and the country, and the deadline is the day after Thanksgiving. Chris and Kai have Chris's family over for the holiday, a family that's politically different from them. One thing leads to another, and Chris and Kai are being investigated by Homeland Security for impeding the right to sign the oath. This stars Ike Barinholtz from Neighbors, Tiffany Haddish from Girls Trip, John Barinholtz from Superstore, John Cho from Star Trek, and Billy Magnuson from Into the Woods. Uh, this almost made it into the next section, but it just doesn't look good enough. This just looks like a film that all these people did just because they wanted a quick buck. It doesn't seem that interesting. But it could potentially be funny. Just keep your eye open for it. And finally, in the limited section, we have a film called Bigger. This is the story behind bodybuilding as we know it, about how Joe and Ben Weider overcame extreme poverty and anti-Semitism to build an empire. This stars Tyler Hoechlin from Teen Wolf, Anirin Barnard from Dunkirk, Julianne Ho from Rock of Ages, or Hof, Hulk, whatever, Colton Hayes from O'Haines, Colton Haynes from Arrow, Victoria Justice from Victorious, Steve Gutenberg from Police Academy, Robert Forster from Olympus Has Fallen, and Tom Arnold from True Lies. And if you want to watch a movie about the history of bodybuilding, fucking watch this. Otherwise, skip it. It doesn't look that good. Well, folks, that is it for the limited section. Let us take a break and hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle, and then we'll get into the wide releases and interesting indies. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And we're back. We are back with the first movie that made it into the wide release and interesting indie section. And that's a film called Beautiful Boy. This is based on the best-selling pair of memoirs from father and son David and Nick Sheff. Beautiful Boy chronicles the heartbreaking and inspiring experience of survival, relapse, and recovery in a family coping with addiction over many years. This stars Steve Carell from Foxcatcher, Timothy Calament from Lady Bird, Maura Tierney from Liar Liar, and Amy Ryan from Gone Baby Gone. 
So what we have here with this movie is Steve Carell playing this father who just wants to talk to his son. And every once in a while, they they meet up and they talk and then it devolves. It falls apart into the kid freaking out, basically. And Steve Carell's character just just phrasing things wrong. And it just causes the kid to spiral down more until it turn, just turns into an argument and Steve Carell's character is one of those fathers that means well, but never quite says the right thing. And when I was a teenager and I would have arguments with my dad, that, that's what it was like. He always meant well. He, he never meant harm, but he would say things just the wrong way. So it would just, it would just pluck this cord with me that would just drive me off the deep end. And then a day or two later, after we've both calmed down and my mother forced peace between us, then we would finally talk. And that's when either he would say something, he would say it a different way. And I go, oh, that's what you're trying to say. Or I would just get it. I would just get what he was trying to say because I was too hot headed at the time. And that's what I see in this movie, except this is an extreme. Nick Chef is a drug addict that is barely hanging on. Someone who doesn't have a steady home. So technically homeless, but just holding on enough to not be one of those stereotypical transients you think of those people that are just sit on the on the on the curb, just with a cup in their hand, kind of talking to themselves, you know, when, when they spiral down too far. So he hasn't quite gotten there yet, but he can. And he is on that road because he just loves himself some drugs just way too much. And Steve Carell playing David Chef is just his dad who who feels like he just there's something he's just not getting that he can somehow change this that he sees Nick as the same little boy he was when they when he was growing up and can't understand that so much has changed that he has to approach it from a different way and it breaks his heart because he just can't help but think of the way things were when Nick was little and the perfect little boy and he sees this drugged out spaz now and just doesn't know what to do. Because think about it, unless you have a, a pretty gnarly relationship with drugs or a history with drugs yourself, how would you deal with that? If that was my kid, I would have no idea what to do. I'd be terrified. And if it becomes you, if you become that person, if you have to stand in David's shoes, could you do things differently? Could you stand back and look at this as a as a separate situation outside of yourself? Can you analyze it to figure out what you should be doing? Or would you be too emotionally involved in it that you would just make the same mistakes he does? And then would you take your son's downward spiral as something you have done? Are you totally going to misread the situation? Because without knowing more about the story, I haven't read these memoirs and I've only seen one trailer for this because I believe there's only one trailer out. Without knowing more of the backstory, it's not necessarily the dad's fault. Okay, yes, there is that idea that we are who our parents made us. That we that this whole interdependent arising idea that you are the way you are because of everything that's happened to you. So yes, in that case, it is partly the parent's fault, but there is something to say for your own actions where you chose to do something and you can't just go blame it on dad you can't blame it on mom you can't blame it on your ex you can't blame it on your wife you can't blame it on anyone because you made this choice 
And besides, it's not like your family can prepare you for everything. Like your, your, your dad doesn't sit you down and go, son, we talked about the birds and the bees. Now let's talk about rolled up dollar bills and the needles. Here's what you have to know about drugs. When I was in school, when, when I was a young lad, we had the D.A.R.E. program, Drug Abuse Resistance Education, I believe is what it stood for. And it was this big, big program that the cops would do. So cops would come to your classroom and give a talk. And it was always just say no. It was never any talk about it, really. We would just learn about the bad stuff and how just to say no, there wasn't any real more discussion about it. And I've been lucky for the most part, I've stayed away from drugs, but I've had some friends that weren't so lucky that got really bad into some of them. Because what they don't tell you is that if you are unwise enough to start that you love it. When I was in my early 20s, uh, my friends and I would party and drink a lot, but it was, that was usually just it. Drinking, sometimes there'd be weed involved, but that, that that's where it would stay. And then a couple of them took it to the next level, started getting cocaine, started getting mushrooms and stuff like that. So as a parent, how do you wrap your head around that? How do you deal with that? And that is what David Chef needs to figure out. How much of it is his responsibility? How much does he have to do and how much of it is his kids? Because still kicking the habit can't be done by anyone else but you. It can't be done in this case by anyone else but Nick. It can't be that, oh, his whole family voted and it's unanimous. Drugs are bad. I guess I have to stop now. No, he still has to do it. But how much of it has to be on its own? And where does his dad come into this? Where does his mom come into this? Where does anyone else other than him come into this? What kind of support structure does he need? Because it's not the same for everyone. And I think this is going to be a very poignant movie. I think it's going to be a very well done movie because we have these first hand accounts and it's about someone who hit rock bottom. So, you know, they're not going to try and sugarcoat it. Like Anne is having me read wild and Cheryl Strayed does not sugarcoat anything. She has been a moron quite a few times and she, she doesn't gloss over it. She goes, no, I did this. I am an idiot. And hopefully that's what David and Nick chef did in their memoirs is going, Hey, here's what we did wrong. So maybe you won't do it yourself. And here, here is our full story. And I hope that's what we get because memoirs aren't any different from any other book. The whole thing isn't going to come across very well in a two hour movie. Hell, even if we went like Marvel Cinematic Universe length movie like to get in the two and a half to three hour length. Even if we get that crazy, there's still a lot that's going to be have to be left out. But now the question you have to ask yourself about this movie is, th is this anything close to the kind of stuff you watch? And if it isn't, would you even be interested in this? I love how I went on a rant about the complexity of this plot as if you didn't know. Anyway, I'm excited for this, just for the really good performances it looks like this film is going to give us. This looks like it's going to be one of those sleeper hits. And I say hit in the sense that any indie movie could be a hit. It's just going to be one of those films that you'll remember. And you'll, one day you'll see it somewhere and you'll, in the back of your mind, you'll go, I heard about that. It was supposed to be pretty good. And then you watch it and you're like, that is good. I'm glad I watched this. That's the kind of movie I think Beautiful Boy is going to be. Beautiful Boy gets a 7.5 out of 11. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the next film. There's actually only three more films left. So let us waste no more time and get into the next film, which is called Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween. Three children stumble upon a missing manuscript from R.L. Stein, and when they open it, they unleash every evil that's trapped inside. This stars Madison Iceman from Still the King, Jeremy Ray Taylor from It, 
Khalil Harris from Castle Rock, Wendy McClendon Covey from Bridesmaids, Ken Jeong from Community, and Chris Parnell from Walk Hard. Alright, when this movie was first announced, I was pretty excited because I thought the first Goosebumps movie was a truly underappreciated film. It was goofy, it was dumb, but it was fun, and it was a movie that really captured, I believe, the spirit of Halloween. So then they were going to do number two. And how about they take the idea from the first one and just take out one of the best parts of it that was Jack Black. Okay, so here's the thing. Jack Black is still listed on the IMDb page, but he is not in any of the trailers. So it could just be that they're trying to keep it on the down low, that he is in the movie a lot, and they just found all these scenes that don't feature him just to keep us guessing. So maybe he's in it a lot. Maybe I am worrying for nothing. But if you remember back when when stories were first coming out about this movie, I had mentioned that that Jack Black was not going to be part of it. But now we have him officially on the IMDb page, which, you know, doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't mean that anything is set in stone. It's just a a more reliable source when it comes to movie information. So he could be in the movie a lot. He could be hardly in the film. He could just have a cameo at the end to pick up the book. But he's such a big name that he got top billing. But either way, it seems like the magic that the first one had, the reason I liked it so much, is gone. But remember, what we could have is just a really bad trailer or a really bad series of trailers. So right now, the best case for this film is that it follows the same path as the first one, where it ends up just being a fun film. Not something you need to see, but something that is ultimately enjoyable. Worst case scenario, it's just as bad as the trailers make it look, and this is going to be a 100% skippable movie and shouldn't be put on anyone's to-be-watched list. The way it goes, I cannot recommend this because it is just too risky. The trailers didn't do enough. No one involved did enough to sell this film. And that is why Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween gets a 4 out of 11. All right, future fans, this this has been another difficult week. And by difficult, I mean there are two movies that look really good. And of course, I had to pick one. And so I did. This is not going to be a dual pick week, though it could easily be. If you think that this film I'm going to talk about next looks worthy of your time, you're right. This does look really good. But I just think the pick of the week looks a little better. So the film that didn't make it as this week's pick of the week is called Bad Times at the El Royale. Seven strangers, each with a secret to bury, meet at Lake Tahoe's El Royale, a rundown hotel with a dark past. Over the course of one fateful night, everyone will have one last shot at redemption before everything goes to hell. This stars Chris Hemsworth from Thor, Dakota Johnson from Fifty Shades of Grey, John Hamm from Baby Driver, Jeff Bridges from True Grit, Manny Jacinto from The Good Place, Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec, and Lewis Pullman from Strangers Pray at Night. If you remember, when the first trailer for this film dropped, I was really into it. I thought this was going to be a great film. I couldn't stop talking about it. Every time a new trailer came out, I mentioned it on the show. And what happened? Well, well, nothing happened. Nothing at all happened. This film looks just as good as it always has. The only thing, the only reason that this isn't the pick of the week is because there's a better film out. A film that I believe will be more enjoyable, that will be more memorable, 
But, you know, I can be wrong. I have been wrong in the past. It, I know it is rare. I know you come to me because I am so reliable. I am so, I am so habitually correct. I am so right all the time and oh so humble about it that you go, hey, this guy knows what's up. I think I will return to his show on multiple occasions to get his opinion. And you do so. And I thank you. For that. But yes, I could be wrong, and this film could be the better film. But of course, it also is 100% up to you and the kind of movies you like. So maybe the type of movie that Bad Times at the El Royale is, is your type of film where the next film just does nothing for you. But Bad Times at the El Royale is full of fantastic actors, and this could be Dakota Johnson's chance to prove that she is more than a one-note actress. I have a feeling that this is going to be the type of film that you can just throw in with movies like Baby Driver, Logan Lucky, um, Identity, and Usual Suspects. I know technically, but like they're all different genres, but you know how it's that kind of film where there's a big cast and it's and there's this kind of mystery action element to it? And this this is going to be that movie this year. That movie where not a lot of people see it, but it, it grows. It'll grow bigger after it's already out of theaters because it'll come out on a streaming service or to own on DVD or Blu-ray and then people will start talking about it going, oh, do you remember when that movie came out? It was great. Now it's out to own. People are like, what movie? I've never heard of this. And then then it starts to get a bigger life after theaters. I think that's what Bad Times at the El Royale is going to get. I mean, those movies I mentioned, the movies I compared it to did well in theaters. They really did. Well, okay, they didn't do terrible in theaters, but they did a whole lot better after once word of mouth spread. And I think that's what's going to save bad times at the El Royale. Chris Hemsworth playing a bad guy. Jeff Bridges playing a bad guy. Hell yeah. I want to see that. This looks interesting. This looks entertaining. This is going to be a good movie. I just think the next movie I'm going to talk about is the one to see. Bad times at the El Royale gets a nine out of 11. Well, my future fans, do you know what movie it is? That's the pick of the week. Have you been have you been keeping score? Do you know what films there are? So you're like, oh, of course, this film's left. Well, if you don't, then let me tell you. The next movie and the pick of the week is First Man. This is a look at the life of Neil Armstrong and the legendary space mission that led to him becoming the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. This stars Ryan Gosling from La La Land, Claire Foy from The Crown, Pablo Schreiber from Orange is the New Black, Christopher Abbott from It Comes at Night, Kyle Chandler from Super 8, Siren Hines from Justice League, Jason Clark from Everest, and Corey Stoll from Ant-Man. And remember, fans... This movie hates America. It doesn't show the American flag being put down on the moon. So this is liberal propaganda. So they're putting chemicals in the water, turning the fish gay. I'm sorry, I went a little Alex Jones on that one. Let's reel that back in. You may have heard of that. You may have heard of the controversy behind this movie. Maybe when I mentioned it on the show, or if you're new to the show, or maybe you missed that episode, maybe you saw it on the news. This had been talked about. Somehow it was controversial that it didn't show the planting of the flag on the moon. And to that I say, who gives a flying f***? Do we really need to see it done in a movie as affirmation that we were the first? Yeah, we did it. America did it. We were the first on the moon. We planted our flag. American feet were the first to touch the moon. We don't need it anywhere else. If 
just because they don't talk about it in this movie, just because they don't show it doesn't lessen it, doesn't mean it didn't happen. So if you know someone who got angry about this film, then they must leave live a pretty good life if that's the kind of shit they're getting up in arms about. Really? Is that all you have in your life to be upset about? You must tell me what life is like with nothing else to worry about because I want to know. I want to know what that is like. But for the rest of us who aren't stupid, this film looks good. It has Ryan Gosling in it who is quickly becoming one of the A-list actors of this time. He quickly went from that guy who was in the show Young Hercules to that guy who was in Crazy Stupid Love and The Notebook to now being the guy we know from bigger films like Blade Runner 2049, The Nice Guys, La La Land, and Gangster Squad. He is a big f***ing deal. And you add him into a cast which is already good and you tell the story, a story that really hasn't been told before. I know other movies have tackled this, other TV shows have tackled this, but not this in depth and not like this. This looks really good. And this focuses on the fact that keeps me out of space, you know, besides the fact that I'm not smart enough to become an astronaut. I could not do complex mathematics with a spacesuit on because my fingers and toes would be covered up. So how can I count that high? Okay, yes, I know that's not how spacewalks work, but it is all for the joke. No, but what what really made me realize that I, I never wanted to be an astronaut isn't the fact that it takes way too much math and science. It's a fact that it's terrifying as all hell. Oh my God, you are going into a place where man is not supposed to exist. Without multiple life support measures, you would be instantly dead. Maybe not instantly. How many, how long do they say you can last in space without a spacesuit? And even then, it's like half the time to, if you ever want to be the same again, like your blood boils, your eyes pop out of your head, something like that, you freeze. No, no, never for me. And this guy did it with brand new technology that they were inventing just to go to the moon, just to beat the Russians. Because until then, the Russians had been kicking our ass when it came to the space race. And you may have heard people talk about this, that the, the amount of technology in the space shuttle that landed on the moon is way less than what's in a calculator now. Like, you know, one of those graphing calculators. Like if, if they had the kind of technology that's in a cell phone, they'd probably be fine. They'd be like, oh yeah, we'll do this. We'll do this, no problem. But no, they didn't know this. They could all have died a terrible death. This whole project was where no man had gone before. How scary is that? So not only does this movie tackle that, this movie tackles his home life. The fact that he has a wife and has children at the time of this. So his wife had to be okay with this. She had to be, or she had to become okay with the idea that her husband, the man that put bread and bacon on the table, Wait, those are two different terms. Put bread on the table and brought home the bacon. I'm sorry, I'm confusing my sayings. But the man who brought home the money, she had to get used to the fact that he was going up there in the most dangerous situation that one could think of outside of being in the middle of an active war zone. So we're going to get to see some pretty intense performances from not only Ryan Gosling, but Claire Foy as her character deals with this shit. And I like the fact that this movie is even going to show us how everything happened leading up to this mission. So all of the shit that not just Neil Armstrong and his wife Janet had to go through, but Buzz Aldrin and Mike Collins too, all of this building up they had to do, all of this work just to have a hope that they would get home safe. 
So this movie is going to be an intense biopic, something that looks well written and well shot and extremely well acted. The type of movie that even though we know how it's going to end, we know what happens, that you still will be on the edge of your seat going, oh sh**, how is this gonna work out? Will he survive? And there'll be that little part in the back of your head going, you know he survives, you've read history books, and you'll be like, shut up part of the brain, I'm enjoying this movie. I don't know if he lives or dies. It's that same part of your brain that when you rewatch the movie, The Perfect Storm, you're like, oh, no, they're going to make it this time. Oh, yeah, they're just going to make that big wave and then they're going to be home free. And then they die and you're like, oh, well, who saw that coming? Or the Titanic going, oh, no, Rose will will realize that both of them can fit on there. Rose and Jack will, will get their heads out of their asses and realize that they both can live. Oh, no, 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 they, they didn't do that. Okay, no. It's that same part of your mind that tries to trick you with every other movie you watch. And that is another factor that's going to make this movie even more suspenseful. Because normally when you have a movie that's categorized as a biographical drama, as a historical biographical drama, you think that it's going to be maybe something a little more artsy or just just full-fledged drama that's not really going to be heavy on the suspense or, or action. And no, this is not going to be a full-on action movie. There's just going to be some scenes of actions with explosions and shit. But so normally when you think of a movie that has those words associated with it, you don't think of something this interesting looking. But it is. And then you throw in the fact this is being directed by Damien Chazelle, who was the writer and director for La La Land and Whiplash, two other fantastic movies. I, I've said before, I mentioned that I've had, I had big problem with how La La Land ended. Still, it was a really good movie. It was really well done. The songs were great. It was just a good, really good movie from the beginning to near the end. And that's a good sign of a director, of a writer, because he wrote it and directed it. Then that's a good sign that even though I hated the ending, that I still would watch the movie again. That is still enjoyable. That I still liked it. So, so this film is being helmed by someone reliable and it has actors that we know can do a good job. So everything about this film points to it being a great movie. Even the assholes that make up Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic like it. And you know, when those dickheads, when their opinion and the opinion of the average person, when those line up, you have a good movie. So my future fans, this is it. This is why this is the pick of the week. First Man is a sure bet. First Man gets a 10 out of 11. Well, my future fans, it is time for the final word from our friends. This time it's from the Watch Your Mouth podcast, as opposed to all the other times where it's different. I I don't know what I was going for with that. But anyway, stay tuned, because we're going to go into the question of the week once we're back. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. 
And welcome back. Welcome back to the show. It is question of the week time and we have some answers. So if you remember last week, I just reiterated the question again because a few people had voiced confusion with with what the question was asking. So to reiterate once again, which older comedic actor and current comedic actor would you like to see together in a movie? Let us go to the first answer I got. From Brian Q, he says, A shame that Rodney Dangerfield is no longer with us, but I would like to see Rodney Dangerfield accidentally insult Nicolas Cage, which would send Cage into an over-the-top rage. It will be fun to watch Cage's downward spiral as as Dangerfield just continues to insult him. And I would love to see Rodney Dangerfield's self-deprecating humor just turned around onto Nicolas Cage, and I think that would be great. Like, I think it would start out... Just like you said, it's an accident, like him saying something just the wrong way that Nicolas Cage wouldn't get it. And he'd go, he'd just go ballistic. And then Dangerfield would catch on and go, oh, okay, you're insane. I'm going to have some fun with you. Would this maybe be a buddy cop movie? No, that, that'd be too, that would be too easy. Maybe they're neighbors. Maybe they're both running for some sort of government office. Maybe not government. Maybe they're just running for the, uh, like maybe they both work or work. Maybe they both live in an apartment complex and they're both running to be the president of the board of tenants. That would be better. But anyway, great answer. And and thank you for your help with this week's question of the week. I, I had turned to Brian because I had thought of a question, but I wasn't sure if I'd done it before. So I just popped the question to him. But let's go to our next answer, which actually comes from Critter. That's somewhat nerdy and watch your mouth's very own Critter who gave me quite a few answers to, uh, you know, previous questions. So let's just start at the top. He says, so who I would want to see fight is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator versus the Predator. Now that would be a cool, no hold barred fight. And that would be really good because when we think of predators versus someone, it's always aliens. It's always going to be aliens versus predator just because they're two extraterrestrials that love to kill. They love themselves, some murdering. But Terminator would be awesome. Just just out of curiosity, Critter, who would win? Who do you, who would you want to see win? He goes on to answer another question. He says, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is my new can't miss action star, although I never miss comic book movies in general. So I guess anyone in a comic book movie is a can't miss action star for that moment. And then he answers the revenge flick idea. For the revenge flick idea, I would want to see a smart alecky dude do a revenge thing. Maybe someone like Tover Grace. So obviously he couldn't fight people, but it would be cool to do a well thought out revenge plot. It could be goofy or violent or a mix of both. So I'm thinking like Topher Grace from Predators, but not evil. So like he has a point and he has people he has to kill. Maybe someone wronged him. Obviously someone wronged him. Maybe someone killed a family member and he's trying to get back at them. But that same sort of intelligence he used. If you remember Topher Grace and Predators, the scene where I think it's Alice Braga uh, who's in the hole. And then she's like, oh, help me out of this. And Topher Grace just takes off his glasses and starts cleaning them. And then you find out, oh, he's a scumbag. Like, so maybe he gets on the inside of whatever organization he's fighting and then slowly takes them apart and he's he's in there with the boss in the final scene going oh by by the way it's me you dead that would be pretty sick and he didn't answer this week's question so hey next time you can do that you know what just uh, save up a bunch if you want and hit 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 me with them all the same time that could work anyway it's time for my answer and since I'm a cheating bastard, I have multiple that's not really cheating is it because I, I never say you have to do one. I think sometimes, I think a couple times, actually, I may have said you had to do one, but I didn't say it with this time. So the first one is, um, 
is one that technically works because she's still she's still working but just doesn't do a lot she hasn't done she did one thing in 2017 but the last thing before that was 2012 she's doing a voice in the adams family cartoon coming out in 2019 that's bet midler and i would love to see bet midler do a movie with rose bine and i could see it being kind of a comedic take or i guess the movie had funny moments but more of a full-on comedic take on devil wears prada where bet midler is kind of a bitchy version of her first wife's club character i think that would be pretty cool also i would like to see if were she still around uh gilda radner and kate mckinnon i think that would be fantastic because kate mckinnon is amazing gilda radner of course of course always wonderful i was actually going to talk about um catherine o'hara that she was one of my first picks but i i didn't know that she's still working since i've yet to see a series of unfortunate events on netflix i didn't know she was working i've never seen Shit's creek i didn't know she was in that and you know what to give some, to give the guys some love i think i would really like to see leslie nielsen together with paul rudd like paul rudd is just a great actor period especially in comedy and he has this very disarming lovable quality about him and i think that's something that leslie nielsen always had of course his comedies were always were never really dark at all even the police squad which is about police and involved murder and stuff but it was it never got really dark but he still had this very lovable quality about him so i would love to see what they could do together or even better or maybe not not sure if it's better or just equal would be Jason Ritter and Paul Rudd or or oh no okay or do, do Jonah Hill and Chris Farley oh my god how wonderful would that be because I truly believe that Chris Farley was a better actor than he got credit for just because a lot of his comedic movies were one note and because that's what people were looking for at the time so he's like hey someone wants to see me they're going to pay me to do this movie yeah sure I'll do it I think had he not had his drug problem and stuck with us longer, I think we would have seen a lot more range from him. And then that would be perfect with Jonah Hill, who has amazing range as an actor. Well, I actually could go on longer about this, but this is already pre-editing going over an hour. So let us get into the next question of the week, which you will answer anytime between now and when I record next. Or truth be told, anytime. Answer anytime. Well, here is next week's question of the week. Which movie could you play the lead role in? I really think that's the easiest way to, to word that question. Which movie could you play the lead role in? If you want a more complicated way of explaining it, here we go. You, for some weird reason, must go back in time and take over for an actor in the lead role of a movie. Which movie would it be? And just to, just to kick any confusion in the ass, which movie? Could you play the lead role? And yes, it has to be a movie that's already been released. It can't be some, oh, well, I could play me in the movie of my life. Yeah, f*** you. Of course you can. Who can't? Besides dead people. But anyway, that is it for this week. So let us get into the closing housekeeping and we will send you along your way to listen to the other great podcasts in the somewhat nerdy podcast network. Well, here we go. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. 
I would love five stars or a like, or please share the podcast, share with your friends, help us grow here. Also leave a comment to tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? How do you answer the question of the week or just ask me a random question? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. Hit me up on my email, BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts. Also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Also the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, great friends of the show. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, Please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.